0: Welcome to Startup Europe, the Sifted podcast. I'm Eleanor, Sifted's deputy editor.
1: And I'm Ana, contributing editor at Sifted, filling in for Amy, who's in Canada at the moment.
0: At Sifted, we report on Europe's tech and startup sector. And on this podcast, we take a peek inside the Sifted newsroom to discuss the biggest things journalists have been reporting on and to speak to some of the people behind the headlines.
1: This week, we'll be talking about a very successful entrepreneur's new venture, We'll look at how a high-flying company called Babylon came back down to Earth. We'll look at how another company is leaving Earth to bring your science experiments to space.
0: We're also going to talk about a new report which found 45% of European startups have no female board members. And we're also going to be hearing about one European tech hub which has described itself as the G-spot of Europe in a bid to attack talent to move there.
1: But before we get to any of that, we have an exciting prize to announce, don't we, Eleanor?
0: Yes, we do. As you may already know, Sifted's flagship in-person event, the Sifted Summit, is back again this year, taking place on the 4th and 5th of October. We've already got some great speakers from tech companies like Helsing, Clio, and Cree, and investors from top funds like North Zone, Hoxton, and Octopus Ventures. And listeners of this very podcast can win a free ticket. All you need to do is fill out a very short survey... The link is in the pod description. It's just five short questions, which will literally take you less than a minute. We're just running the survey to find out a bit more about the people who listen in each week. So please do fill it out for a chance to win a free pass to a great event. And you can come and meet me and Ana in person.
1: Amazing. Can't wait. Okay, so we're going to kick off then, Eleanor. So we're going to start with a story that you wrote about a German entrepreneur who has been very successful. He's gonna do something new now. He's gonna try and solve the very tricky problem, which is roaming, very expensive, extortionate actually, for a lot of us who fly out of Europe. So tell us about this company.
0: Yeah, so this entrepreneur is named Hakan Koch. He is best known for founding the used car marketplace, Auto One, which is a unicorn and listed on the stock exchange in 2021. That listing made Hakan and his co-founder billionaires at the time, so definitely one of Europe's most successful founders. He is building a new company called BetterRoaming.com, which offers eSIMs, which are these virtual embedded SIM cards that you can download just by scanning a QR code so that people can access affordable roaming plans in a bunch of countries around the world. This was born out of his experience, you know, having family around the world in different places. And then also, he's a successful founder who goes to all these conferences and events all the time, right? And he's always running into people from students to the most successful entrepreneurs who tell him, why can't I have affordable roaming all around the world? Cool.
1: So this venture is quite different to his previous one. He talked a little bit, I believe, about how he's going to set up his business, he's going to run it a little bit differently. And I believe there's going to be some Russian oligarchs involved. Can you explain that to us?
0: Yeah, it's actually kind of strange that we have Russian oligarchs in the headlines that sifted two times this week. But I guess the main difference between Better Roaming and Auto One is that the tech behind Better Roaming actually already existed before Hakan bought this stuff. And It was owned by this UK mobile virtual network operator called TruePhone. Now, TruePhone ran into a little bit of trouble because some of its shareholders included Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich and some other Russian investors. And their stakes in the company were frozen, essentially, after the UK government imposed sanctions on them. So, Hakan and his business partner were able to pick up the assets from TruePhone for one pound. Yes, one pound. And they incorporated them into this new vehicle.
1: Very good. And I believe he's got a unique plan, a really interesting plan to advertise this, this startup. Can you tell us about this?
0: Yeah, it's super interesting. A lot of times when you see B2C companies, right, they spend a lot of their money on marketing and on customer acquisition. But in the case of Better Roaming, the team doesn't want to spend a lot of money on advertising, but just instead rely on word of mouth. And that already actually seems to be working. I mean, he gave me one of the Sims or had me download one of the Sims at an event where I met him. Um, And I'm using the sim. He's also had other founders download the sim at events. But he doesn't want it to just be the jet set founders who are using this. He also wants regular people to be using this. So he says that he's doing this for the Turkish grandmas who might be traveling. As many of you know, there's a huge Turkish community in Germany where he lives. And his family is of Turkish origin. And so he hears stories all the time about you know, Turkish grandmas who might go back to visit their family in Turkey and then get completely ripped off by roaming costs. So he says, this is for the Turkish grandmas.
1: Amazing. Well, I feel good about figuring out how to download an eSIM if it's Turkish grandma proof as well. So I look forward to paying a little bit less on my roaming in the future.
0: I would also say one of the craziest things about covering this announcement is that they wrote the Press release with Chat GPT. They've used AI to do a lot of the heavy lifting, like translating the web page into a lot of different languages. And they even used that to do their PR. And I was super impressed with the press release and asked, when did you hire a PR agency to do this? They were like, We did not hire a PR agency, we just had Chat GPT do this. So <laughs> my first Chat GPT press release.
1: Great news for all the PR listeners out there. Chat GPT is breathing down your necks and our next too. Cool. Thanks, Eleanor.
0: Thanks, Eina. We also wrote about another interesting startup this week in a totally different sector German space tech Atmos, which has raised 4 million euros to help many organs be grown and tested in a low gravity environment. Eina, tell us more.
1: Yeah, sounds amazing, doesn't it? So, this is really interesting. Scientists like to send cell cultures up to space. They want to test them out in microgravity conditions. So there's no oxygen, there's no gravity. And this company, Atmos, is going to try and facilitate this. And there's a few companies trying to do this. They're trying to streamline this, remove some of the costs. Because at the moment, I, I read some figures that you know it can cost half a million or a million to do this, you know, end to end, to plan this research, to send it up in a launcher bring it back down again, and the lead times are crazy. you know it could be two years all in to get your experiments to come back down.
0: So Ana, why would we want to send stem cell cultures up to space?
1: So what's interesting for scientists for pharmaceutical companies is to send their experiments to space because there's microgravity up there and it's a whole different set of conditions for their experiments. So the founder of Atmos describes the process of growing stem cells here on earth compared to in space. He said, if you take a Petri dish here on earth, put some stem cells in it, they grow quite differently. There's gravity pushing down. So what you get is basically this pancake, he described it, formation. But up in space, there's no gravity to hold the stem cells down, so you get something quite different, a three-dimensional ball. And they can use this as the basis for growing tissue or growing little bits of organ, potentially. And pharmaceutical companies have done this in the past. The likes of Merck, Eli Lilly, and Novartis, Amgen have sent their experiments into space to try and test them out. And they're hoping to come back with what's called this organoid, uh, organ grown in space. And they think this could be the future because there's a lot of pressure back here on Earth to use less animals in testing. What about testing your science on mini organs grown in space instead?
0: This doesn't sound like it would be cheap. How much does this cost, Aina?
1: So I think the goal is to try and get this below 100 grand. I've heard a competitor of Atmos called Yuri Gravity, also in Germany, they've described costs as being around 60 grand maybe, best case scenario. They think they can do it for that. It does depend on a lot of things. It depends on how expensive is your ride to space. At the moment, SpaceX is the main game in town for this. They're setting the price essentially. I mean, the hope in the future is that there's going to be some European launchers come along, like EZAR Aerospace is a German company. Exploration Company is another German company. A lot happening in Germany. So the hope is that these guys can come along and provide some competition eventually to SpaceX. I'm a little bit skeptical actually because SpaceX just has so much money behind it and they're building a gigantic rocket called Starship at the moment. They're going to hope to launch that this year. I think that's really going to change the game, and it's going to be very hard to compete with SpaceX if they manage to pull that one off. But they're trying to save costs elsewhere as well. They're trying to build modular devices, little bioreactors, to take these experiments up to space. They say if they can build off-the-shelf kits, they can save a lot of costs there as well.
0: Amazing. Well, we'll look forward to more German space innovation news from you, Eina. So moving on to another healthcare-related area, this week we had a story about Babylon the European health tech company, which has agreed to a deal that would take it private again and see existing shareholders lose hundreds of millions of dollars. What is going on, Ina?
1: So Babylon listed in October 2021, and what's followed has been a torrid 18 months for the company. Its share price has dropped 99%. So the company was providing this telemedicine service to patients, but it couldn't do so without losing money. The company was pulling in revenue all the time, but there was a profitability issue. The company was cutting headcounts, you know, abandoning contracts, looking for new cash injections along the way, which it got to to a certain extent, but it hasn't been able to succeed or plug its shortfall in money.
0: I mean, the other thing that I think about this is like Babylon's timing in hindsight wasn't that great because starting in 2022, global stocks took a complete beating and no sector more than tech. So after 18 months on the New York Stock Exchange, its share price has dropped more than 99 percent. They seem to have found a solution. They're going to form a new entity with Swiss digital therapeutics unicorn MindMaze. MindMaze will inject new funds into the business and pay off some of Babylon's debt. And this transaction is supposed to be completed in July. But what does this mean for the shareholders, Ana?
1: So yeah, investors have lost out big time on Babylon. VCs like Shinovic and VNV Global, Swedish pension fund as well, AMF. And there's a Swedish investment fund called Swedbank Robo that had big stakes in Babylon and they've been wiped out.
0: And uh, Saudi Arabia's PIF public investment fund is also going to lose the whole value of its 12% stake, as will Ali Parsa, who's going to lose his nearly 20% stake, but he will stay on at the company to head up the Babylon portion of the business within MindMaze. Maze. So I guess, you know, it's not like the company is going away. Babylon, the brand and Babylon services will continue to exist. So we'll see how it fares underneath Mind
1: Okay, so Eleanor, our last news story of the week. This was a piece of research that our colleague Miriam reported on, which says that nearly half of startups in Europe don't have a woman on their board of directors. So this is uh, quite a dramatic finding. What's it mean to you?
0: Yeah, so this is based on a report by ESG VC, which is an industry initiatives that's helping startups measure and improve their ESG performance, and the British Venture Capital Association, which is the industry body for VC in the UK. They collected data from a bunch of different VCs, about the portfolio companies of those VCs and got data on 450 different companies. So again, yes, there are thousands of companies in European tech, but 450, I think is is probably a pretty good representative sample of what diversity is like. And it's pretty shocking. I mean, boards are the primary governing body of any organization, right? They make super important decisions about the strategy and direction of a company. And yet, 45% of European startups have no female board members, which is pretty shocking. Part of this has to do with the fact that a lot of times VCs will take a spot on the board after an investment. And given the fact that there are fewer number of female founders who would sit on the board and then fewer number of female investment partners who would sit on the board, you end up unfortunately with very low female representation on the board.
1: And Eleanor, did this number surprise you? I was a little bit surprised at how bad it was.
0: No, this number did not surprise me at all for the reasons that I said before, you know, because there are so many few female founders and because there are so many few female VCs, it did not surprise me. And the thing is, more VCs could give up their board seat to someone else who would represent them on the board so that they could improve representation diversity at the board level. But the fact of the matter is that most VCs want to have a board seat and they see that as an important way to influence company and to monitor the performance of the company. So unfortunately, they could be doing a lot more on governance, but they don't want to. You want to have your juicy board seats. That makes everyone's egos feel good.
1: And what do you think companies should be doing after reading a piece like this?
0: I mean, I think that they should be looking for ways to just improve diversity on their board, right? Miriam Partington, our reporter who wrote this piece, spoke with Sarah Drinkwater, who is a VC and an angel investor. And Sarah made the great point that people should start looking for NEDs, non-executive directors. So they're an independent board member that's usually recruited around Series A or B. And if you know that you need more diversity on your board, go look for a NED that's going to bring diversity to your board. And that doesn't just have to be gender diversity. That could be someone from a different industry or someone with a different background who's not an investor, who's not a founder, who can bring another perspective to decision-making. I think the other thing that, you know, people brought up in conversations about this is startups should not be lazy when they go out to recruit board members, right? Make a list that's 50-50 male and female and be intentional about putting your board together.
1: Yeah, and I was reading about... Legislation actually in Norway that's going to mandate private companies to do better on board representation, to have at least 40% female representation on boards. They do this already with listed companies, with public companies. And I think there's EU wide legislation to have this across Europe from mid 2026 for listed companies. But this is really interesting to try and force private companies to go and do better on representation what do what you make of this?
0: I think several things. First, VC-backed tech companies can have an incredible amount of impact on the lives of millions of people through their products, either directly or indirectly. And so if that is the case, then the people who are leading these companies and making decisions should reflect society. And society is half men and half women. And it doesn't matter if you're publicly listed or if you're still a private company. I think if you're going to be building these giant companies, think about some of the tech companies out there. They're $10 billion companies, right? And they are creating services that are ubiquitous throughout society. So their leadership should reflect society.
1: Well, thank you, Eleanor.
0: Thank you for letting me stand on my soapbox, Ina, because it's not hard to get women on your board.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Well, thanks, Elner, for your frank views. We'll continue, obviously, at Sifted to cover this issue.
0: And now we're off to Central and Eastern Europe, where our correspondent, Zosha Vanna, has been busy reporting on what has been questionably dubbed the G-spots of Europe. If you hadn't guessed, we're talking about the capital of Lithuania, Vilnius a small city that is home to well-known tech companies like Vinted and Nord Security, companies which have become global household names. And now the city has been on a charm offensive to try and lure Europe's top tech talent to move there. Sosha, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: Zosha, you managed to open your piece with a 700 year old anecdote about Lithuanian King Gediminas. Tell us why His Royal Highness Gediminas is relevant to Lithuania's tech and startup scene today.
2: I, I think it's a great start, actually. Thanks so much for mentioning it, Eleanor. So, the um, statue of the King Gediminas is standing right in the middle of the main square of Vilnius. Everyone seems to know who he is and why he is so important. He's the king who launched the city 700 years ago. So actually, Vilnius is celebrating its 700th birthday this year. Happy birthday, Vilnius. And Gediminas, uh, when he wanted to start any kind of settlement or, you know, a town somewhere there in Eastern Europe, he decided to send letters to different cities, basically, in Western Europe, offering protection and privileges and also tax exemptions, which I found especially interesting, to people like monks, merchants, doctors, artisans. So all these professions that eventually, you know, make a town, right? So that that's what happened 700 years ago. This year, the the officials from the city of vilnius amid mass layoffs in the international tech companies they decided to send their own message their their own letter that was a message targeted at all the employees who might have been hired by companies like meta or twitter or google somewhere in london or berlin or the us and they were saying Come to Vilnius, again, come to Vilnius, come to come to our city and settle here because we have a great startup ecosystem.
0: I thought it was also really interesting that you picked up on some clever advertising that Vilnius had been doing around the world to do with these layoffs.
2: What was that ad that you saw? What was in London? Yeah, so but basically the Vilnius officials, they hung posters all over King's Cross in London where... Companies like Google or Meta have their offices in London. And the posters said, got fired by Meta or Twitter, moved to Vilnius. Funny story is, they actually got fined for this because it was considered to be littering. Basically, they didn't get any permission to put those posters there. But they also said they that they mm-hmm. had a fine price in the budget of the campaign.
0: So there was also another pretty funny ad that Vilnius made Zosha, explain that one to me
2: Yeah you're sure uh it refers to the g spot that you mentioned at the beginning so this is the ad also from from the city of vilnius that was published several years ago it it also went viral on social media there were several posters in in capitals in european capitals and the ad said that Vilnius is the G spot of Europe. Nobody knows where it is, but when you find it, it's amazing. With quite telling visuals as well, I, I I would say you can check it out in our article or or somewhere online. It actually won several international awards. As you know, a very great way, very creative way of advertising a city. That campaign was much more touristic, right? So she wanted it wanted to attract not only business professional but also tourists to to Vilnius.
0: It sounds like Vilnius is pretty good at advertising itself. And so what are some of Vilnius's advantages? I mean I know it's very small and it's pretty cold in the winter. Why would someone want to move there to work in tech?
2: Yeah these are the arguments that came to my mind when I was going there. And to be fair, that was my second time in Vilnius, the first time was very brief. And I went there with absolutely no expectations. I didn't know much about the ecosystem. I didn't know much about the city. And from the very, very beginning, I I had three days of very intense sort of meetings with different people from the ecosystem, from the public sector, from the private sector. And the first thing that really, really struck me was that Everyone was just so incredibly enthusiastic about startups and about tech. I mean, you could see their vibrations coming from. All these people, including politicians and including, you know, like high level officials in, in different corporates, which was great. And they, you know, they have all these like countless arguments why Vilnius is such a great place to be. Yes, it, they say that, yes, it's small, but it also means that it's compact and it takes you like 15 minutes by by bike to get anywhere. They say that the startups which are there, they are... First of all, there are many startups and most of these startups are hiring. So there are many opportunities. So you can really pick from different positions in different companies. Second of all, the salaries that those startups offer, they really match the salaries in Western Europe. They really try to make sure that they offer the best for all those people who might want to relocate from places like London or or Berlin. And there are also other things, you know, that are more related to the quality of living. Like Vilnius is cheaper than than other European capitals. It is very green. So yeah, all these things, they basically present Vilnius as a place which is very livable. And for all those who might not be the biggest fans of, you know, like... London rush, let's say. It's it's just a very nice place to settle in with your family and still work in big and significant tech companies.
0: Why exactly do Vilnius officials want people to move there? And what do people get in return for moving there other than, as you described, you know, a smaller city, safer, and perhaps, you know, cheaper cost of living?
2: Yes, absolutely. So the startups in Vilnius and also the government, the national government and the local government, they are very much aware that there is simply not enough local talent to sustain the need of, of all those companies that keep popping up in in the city. So they are now doing their best to basically attract the best people from the outside to to work for them so the government started a campaign the relocation campaign which basically offers almost 3000 euro to cover up to 3000 euros of relocation costs for some high uh, earning professionals so ba- professionals also in tech so basically if you are on a certain level in a tech company somewhere else and you consider going to vilnius they would pay nearly 3000 euros for your for your relocation for finding a flat for you know all the expenses which are linked to to the move the startups they also they they say that it's tricky that it's difficult to find good people who will who would get there and so the first thing that they can do is really to offer them very competitive packages and this is something that i know that many companies in in vilnius are doing
0: so basically you know the vilnius officials are saying that they're going to help people relocate and then once people get there there's so many opportunities that they'll be able to find a job which i guess is interesting in terms of thinking about rebalancing where tech talent is across Europe, as it's been traditionally really centered in a couple of big hubs. Thanks, Sosha.
2: Thank you.
1: So that's all we have time for today. If you want to hear more about what's unfolding in the world of European tech and startups, find our coverage on sifted.eu. You can also find all articles mentioned in this episode in the podcast description.
0: And also in that podcast description, you can find the survey that I talked about at the beginning of this episode. We just are asking a couple of questions of our readers to find out what you like and know more about you. It will literally only take you one minute and doing that puts you in the running to win free tickets to the Sifted Summit in London in October where you can hang out with the Sifted team. Finally, if you have any other feedback for us, you can get us on Twitter or email hello at sifted.eu, and we will see you back next week.